Hello Hello there. there. Welcome everyone back to another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. This is episode, and I can't believe I'm saying this, 40, episode 40 of Star Wars in a Galaxy. This week, we watched the Star Wars, the Clone Wars episodes, Senate Spy, Landing at Point Rain, and Weapons Factory. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. And today, we have a very special guest with us. Alden yes, Diaz. he is the um, host of the great Star Wars podcast, Octo Radio, and the author of many of the finest Twitter threads in the galaxy. So, <laughs> What's going on, my friends? How you doing? Happy to be here. Congrats on, on 40. Happy to be here on a nice a nice round number episode. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, right. I didn't even number. realize that it lined up this way until I was putting together a schedule. I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah, we got 40 with... Yeah. Yeah, it works. It out. just it just works. Forty uh with with some great episodes yeah. too. Yeah. So excited to excited to revisit some early ones that I hadn't seen in That's a long time. Me with season one, I'm like, oh, this was an episode. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um Okay, so um first thing we're gonna do before we get into those episodes though, um we want we like to give a little background on our guests. So Alden, um kind of a two part question. How do you get into Star Wars and then once you've gone to Star Wars how did you how did you become a Star Wars content creator in on Octo Radio and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's interesting because I feel like we all sort of have that initial seed where and, I, and I've said this and I think the best way I can explain it is like you have those early fog memories where you're like you see the images and you know and you kind of have to stitch them together in the most logical way, even though you can't factually know for sure like that's how it happened because you were so little. But I remember always kind of knowing of the original trilogy. I had the the silver box set of the special editions, the VHS silver box set uh, that had that nice slip and everything. And so that was always kind of around. But I remember seeing um, Phantom Menace on home video, and I had these two walkie-talkies. And one of the walkie-talkies, and they were given to me by like my cousins or something, or a sister's friend or something like that. And one of them was a stormtrooper helmet and one of them was a Vader helmet. And I remember being like, eh, I don't really care about the stormtrooper, but I had this Vader helmet that I was so like just entranced with. And somebody told me when I was playing with it and watching Phantom Menace, they were like, you know that that little boy is that helmet. And I was like, what? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, how could he become this thing? That's not in the movie. I've seen this movie. Like I, I know the end, like he's a kid. And that's when I was like, this is, such a massive interconnected thing. And I was also in the Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, which I, you know, I still love those things and I've always read comics. So I was used to big narratives, but this was the first time that I think for a lot of us, this is true that you were like, my parents know about this. My teachers know about this. Like I had a kid in my kindergarten class whose name was Luke. And one day I just, you know, just threw in a Skywalker. I was like, Luke Skywalker. And he, the kid didn't really get it because I don't think his parents had shown it to him. But my my kindergarten teacher was like, oh, Star Wars. And so you were like, oh, everyone understands this, you know, to a certain degree. And so that sort of drags you in and you get if you're like me and like and like you guys who I, you know, I interact with you guys on Twitter and and you guys have built up such a good thing and a positive. And I think one of you just just I think Eli, you just went and kicked some ass in trivia uh, yep. not, not too long ago, just a, just a couple of weeks ago over uh, uh, with some of our friends and. Um, you know, so you have that hunger too, that, that I need more of this. I need to be satiated. I need to know 
what the big deal is. And so you start picking up reference books and, you know, whatever you can get from the library and, uh, you know, Jedi Apprentice. I remember the Jedi Apprentice, the call to vengeance with Qui-Gon on the cover, just, just running out uh, with his like non-canon apprentice, uh, Xanatos, I believe his name was, was like my first expanded anything. And then Night's the Old Republic. And so I was just like all in sort of pedal to the metal. Like I need this always. And then I guess the sec- second part of this is, is, is about the content creation side, which, you know, is, is interesting in its own right, because I always knew I wanted to be in entertainment almost primarily because of star Wars, because star Wars does that thing that a lot of franchises don't do, which is star Wars made, celebrities and and characters out of the people that made star wars so star wars kids like kids now growing up on marvel they might know who like taika waititi is and like things like that but you don't know the names of every art director and puppeteer and concept artist and dp and producer not like star wars where star wars was like all these legends and so i wanted to work in entertainment like you know like a rick mccallum like a doug chang like a gary kurtz like a Dave Filoni, uh, who, you know, we'll get into. And I, you know, I wanted to make films and I still do. And I've written some stuff and I wrote, you know, I did comic book reviews online and podcasting and different things. And then I became a professional uh, broadcaster and I work for iHeartRadio and I produce radio here uh, in South Florida. I produce morning shows and I realized I had these resources and I had done a Star Wars podcast before in high school very casually. But then I was like, I can build something that's kind of like what I want to see. And there were people in the space that had stuff, you know, people that inspired me, like like my buddy Ken Knapsack, who we all know and love, uh, from Force Center and and other things where I was like, there's a there's something, there's a place where I can fit myself in and doing like long form interviews. Obviously I haven't shut up since I started talking. So people will people will understand. Um, but long form, like inside the actor's studio type interviews about Star Wars love, I was sort of like, no one's doing this. And at least no one's doing it in the way that I think I could. And really, you have to make the show that you want to hear, or else why are you doing it? You know, you can't chase trying to be, you know, what you can't try to be Jedi Council, you know, or anything that was like big on YouTube a few years ago. Uh, because all of that, as we've seen, burns bright and dies quick you know all those companies it's about if it ain't clicks you know we want it out of here we're gonna pivot we're gonna change people losing jobs gaining jobs you have to make it because you love it and because you you love this so that's that's my story and i'm sticking to it your honor (laughs) great stuff thank you for sharing that thank you for sharing that's very interesting i was really struck by what you said and i never really thought of it that way how there's an aspect of of Star Wars being almost universal mm-hmm. in in certain ways, and then I can, I certainly know what you mean. How once I knew Star Wars, it felt like this is something that so many people know. It was kind of, it was kind of amazing that there are just so many people attacking it from so many different aspects and mm-hmm. so many different angles, and just so many people like pouring their passion into it. Yeah. Um, so I thought the next thing we'd do, um, we thought, Jacob and I thought we'd, we'd do the summaries a little bit different going forward. What we usually did was we did the summaries when the episode came up, 
Um, so we do, when the second episode, we did the, do the summary, then the analysis. But what we thought we'd do for this and all continuing episodes after this is we do all the summaries first, mm-hmm. so then we can get into the analysis later. So, all in your first, Senate Spy. Uh, all right, so Senate Spy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, these are uh, season two episodes, so we're going back early Clone Wars. Um, you know, we'll get into this a little bit in the analysis, but tonally, Clone Wars was a little lighter back then, you know, that in comparison, especially to some of the stuff we would see in the last couple seasons. But uh, in this episode, we are trying to pinpoint from the Jedi Council's point of view, um, we're trying to pinpoint this operation of, of new factories and new separatist conspiracies. And uh, as the glorious narration at the beginning uh, sets up for you, we need a spy. And Anakin Skywalker is coming home from a tour of duty, and he quite literally brings home what looks like a space pizza box. And so he comes home. He comes home, and he's like, "Hey, babe, like, how's it going?" And Padme, you know, they're they're in love. They haven't seen each other in a while. This is the first time, notably, which we'll talk about, that Anakin refers to the apartment as his home. And so it's, a, it's a, there's steps happening in their relationship. But, you know, duty calls, which is a theme of the episode. And so Anakin has to go respond to Obi-Wan Kenobi. He attends a, a council meeting where they say we need someone to spy on this guy, Rush Clovis. And Rush Clovis, you know, has, has involved in the banking guild, clearly some separatist ties. Uh, and the Jedi casually are like, hey, we talked to Padme. She said, no, it'd be great if you could convince her. Padme, none too happy with Anakin leaving, has to become the spy for the Jedi on this mission. Problem is, as is casually mentioned by Yoda and Mace Windu, there used to be a little bit of a flame between Padme and Rush Clovis. Anakin is very upset by this. He has to pose as one of her pilots as they go on a mission to uh, to Cato Nemoidia, I believe. It's Cato Nemoidia. And uh, hilarity ensues as they have to get data from Rush Clovis, figure out what his ties are in terms of the ongoing Separatist plot. There is a poison attempt uh, from Senator Dodd on Padme. And there's a little bit of, uh, you know, some heat from Rush as he tries to put the moves on Padme the entire episode. And it's about trust and it's about relationships uh, having their bumpy roads, especially during war. Jacob, go ahead, Point Rain. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So so we see landing at Point Rain. Now, previously, I didn't actually realize that these two episodes were connected, but mm. in, in Senate Spy... Padme gets these gets the schematics or the location and the proof of existence of this new secret high-tech weapons factory on Geonosis. So armed with this information, we have tons of Republic forces, Kiati Mundi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin, Ahsoka, and and Rex and what is Rex yeah. in there? I'm not Rex actually Cody. sure. Rex no, and yes, okay. Cody, Rex and Cody kind of there. there's at least a couple Jet. more named guys. Jet as well, and and Boyle yeah. and Waxer. You know, a lot of, a lot of, um, mm-hmm. a lot of familiar faces or names, I guess, in the case of the clones. And, and they all head in, and they have the they have a plan. They're gonna they're gonna attack from different angles, and then meet up and blow up the generator. But you know, as things tend to do, it goes south. We end up. Uh, Obi-Wan crashes somehow somehow he survives this high-speed gunship crash but everyone's split up and over the course of the episode they have to kind of work together in their in their separate groups to 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 come back together and we end up with everyone kind of getting getting to where they were supposed to be but you know we have some interesting 
themes along the way of, of trust again in a, in from but from frames from a slightly different perspective so yeah we'll get into that but that's basically the episode it's pretty much the polar opposite of senate yeah. spy you know yeah there, there's that the senate spy was the only episode in the entirety of the clone wars i believe where there is not a single lightsaber ignited not a single blaster bolt fired and not a single explosion in this episode, it is just nonstop lightsabers, blasters, and explosions. Nonstop. And I, I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, that Senate Spy doesn't even have any active clones. Yeah, no clones either. Very good point. And <laughs> tons of clones in no, this episode. I don't episode. think it's the only so once one. Again, they're totally um, because like Massacre doesn't have any clones. Um, oh, that's uh, a good point. That's okay, true. I guess uh, finally there's Weapons Factory. Um, in Weapons Factory... Um, we see the shaky um, relationship of Anakin and Ahsoka. Um, we see that they still kind of don't trust each other, even though we are one and a half, not one and a half, we're two seasons into the show. Um, uh, and we see the contrast, the relationship of Luminara Unduli and her par- and her Padawan, Barriss Offi. Ahsoka and Barriss must work together to infiltrate and destroy a separatist droid factory that is controlled by Poggle the Lesser. And we see the personalities and styles of Ahsoka, who is way more brash and reckless and does not come in with a plan or prepared in the same way as Barris, who is a very cookie-cutter, clean, very proper, very orderly, very polite Padawan. We get to see those two styles class <laughs> for now. Yeah, I was about to say we're gonna yeah, get yeah. into that. <laughs> we're gonna get into how that impacts Barris later on, um, because I think it yeah. does. Um, uh, anyway, um, and so they have to destroy the weapons factory. And later in the episode, um, they successfully destroyed the weapons factory. But uh, Anakin and Luminara are uh, kind of struggling to find them buried in all the rubble and it has some very important lessons about letting go and surprise surprise trust it's almost like that's a major theme in the clone wars um almost so yeah let's get into let's get into the main meat of stuff starting with senate spy um so usually we start with our fortune cookie because that guides the episode so our fortune cookie for senate spy is a true heart should never be doubted I found this a little generic, I guess. It didn't really give a ton of insight into what the episode was trying to say. So I'm going to yield the floor, actually, to whoever Are else Are you just a harsh judge of fortune cookies, Jacob? <laughs> I guess I am. I keep, I, keep, I keep ending up being dissatisfied with them. I think I'm one more easy going with fortune cookies than you are. <laughs> I feel like we got spoiled. There were so many good ones at the beginning of season one, and now it feels like they're kind of maybe struggling to come up with with some good maxims to put in. There. But then I, I, I think they take an upswing though. Like they later on in the show, upswing. as it gets grim, like Mandalore yeah, and, and then it gets you know, really all the, good. the more Sith lore, like you get tons of good ones. But we're, I think that because there are fortune cookies where it's like every scene, it feels like yes, there it is, there it is. There's the theme again. Um, this one, it's sort of like. It comes in like sort of like right at the end, like it's 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 you know it's what it's saying is Anakin should have more faith in the woman he loves, yeah. you know, and that a- Anakin's inability to trust that other people 
won't disappoint him because he's been disappointed so much in life uh, is part of his hindrance and connects very heavily with the next two that we're going to talk about um, in terms of trust and all that. So accepting that people do have your best interest at heart, that they don't want to hurt you, you know, because Anakin Skywalker's come up and everybody wants to hurt him his entire life. You know, for the most part, he's a literal slave. Uh, he's he's only been disappointed and expected people either to leave him like Qui-Gon, so involuntarily, or even when they do take him on, um, it's with a little bit of, you know, chagrin, like Obi-Wan didn't want to train him. And that's always in the back of his mind. And I think that he's always expecting the other shoe to drop because he thought about this woman every day for 10 years, as he says. And now he has her and, and he gets to be with her. And I think he's always expecting to get to lose that situation. And so, yeah, I think that that's uh, I think the fortune cookie like works at the end. But there is a lot of, you know, it's got some early Clone Wars slapstick of like, I'm going to shake the ship. That way he you know has to fall <laughs> yeah, out yeah, of his yeah. chair. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think I, I'm, I'm not like in love with this forge cookie, even though like I, I just said I'm more easygoing. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I don't really like there's nothing really I'm against yeah. here, but it's does it's not great. Um, I don't think let me look at the other fortune cookies, but I don't really think. Yeah, I don't think any of these three fortune cookies are just like prime, prime, very good ones. Um, but they're all, in my opinion, fine. They're nothing like terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that to go back to what Alden said for a minute, the way that we see Anakin become so kind of possessive in this episode, I think is definitely foreshadowing. Mm. I think for in Revenge of the Sith, how he his fear of like being betrayed and his fear of being let down by people who he thinks are on his side, in this case that being Pat in this case Padme, kind of leads him then to end up being more possessive, more aggressive mm -hmm. to like towards, towards Clovis. Like he ends up kind of acting pretty boorish towards Padme at times. Yeah. I, I feel like we see how that his, his experiences end up twisting his reality. Yes. So he ends up thinking that everyone's out to get him. Right. Like when he says, you brought him here to kill me in yeah. Avenge of the Sith. Exactly. Like, like, and it's like, of course not. But and it, like, it, it's a clouding, like you said, a distorting of reality and a clouding because his the entire story of Padme is that she's nothing but dependable, nothing but the most trustworthy. Like had the, the you know the fate and governance of a whole planet on her shoulders as a child, uh, you know, and then served in the Senate after that. Like she's only ever been there for everyone. It's Padme that says, "You can stay here. I'm going to get Obi Wan." In Attack of the Clones, you know she pushes uh, to to do this rescue mission. You know she's a ride or die type person. So for Anakin to get even the slightest whiff, like he, they don't even say that they were romantic. They, you know he makes they were, but he makes these assumptions. You know he hears that they were close, and he's like, "How close?" <laughs> because he has to uh, try to, and we'll get into this later with Ahsoka too. And like that, Luminara rightfully calls him out for, "Are you ready to let go?" Are you ready to let go of anything? The lines that connect with me, um, I it's from a little later in the episode when Anakin and um, Padme are talking in the Senate, and I have a couple like logistical things with that. Um, when Anakin says to Padme, I'm not going to let you do it. Um, the immediate line from mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith that popped into my head was that when Anakin screams at Obi-Wan, you will not take her from me! It's that, like, it's very, like, Anakin 
does see Padme in this way as his, in a way that, like, you know, it's it's from his slave past, it's from his, I think also it's a little bit from his Jedi upbringing as well, that he views Padme as, like, kind of, he, again, he has, as Jacob said earlier, this very possessive um, idea about who Padme is and what she should do. He backtracks a little bit and he says, well, you weren't going to do it anyway, but it's still there. It still happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's an extension of he has, he's done these classic Star Wars, like found family experience. I mean, he has his literal mother. He had Shmi, but then he gets uh, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Padme and Jar Jar and R2. And that was like such an, an upswing in his life. And then his experiences since then have been, you know, his training, but also wartime. And he loses Qui-Gon and he loses Shmi. So at this point, he's trying to control every element that he can. You know, even with the best intentions, his inability to say that people are going to do things sometimes that you don't want them to do. You know, he, he would rather her just always be in the apartment, always safe. Nothing can happen to her. So it's like he wants what's best for her but he's not approaching it at all with a clear head yeah and we're gonna see the exact same thing happen in weapons factory um, yeah a little logistical problem actually i have um we we go on about logistical problems so when they're arguing in the senate so i couldn't tell i've watched this episode a couple times now is anyone in the senate when they're talking like it seems like you know, I think it's Padme casting a vote on something. Uh, is anyone in the Senate? If not, um, because, you know, there it could be, could be not. Like, you would think, because I think this is also in, like, the United States with their government buildings, they have, like, cameras filming everything, right? Yeah. You would think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I read somewhere in a reference book one time that the the pods do have sound dampening so i can only i can only imagine that they're probably inside a bubble where they're talking can't get out yeah. to other people there's there's something like what 2000 there's thousands of people in that chamber and they all need to be talking to each other all the time the chamber so does sound i think it makes sense that there would be some kind of technology yeah there would be yeah. some kind of technology at most points so that you know i do wonder if there's a certain questions. element of like a general, you know, General Skywalker, like a general's on site, like, you know, this business like can't be recorded or or something, some such other camouflage or like you said, dampening and things that may have something to do with it. But it's also like it's one of those animation conveniences, yeah. you know, of there's always like I think I think Star Wars Rebels does this a few times too on the fall where like they're talking very discreetly in a bar. And it's like, it feels like everyone that lives in Lothal is in that bar. Like, they're right. all, like, right there, so. Yeah, it, it, it was just a little weird to me because, like, so nobody's hearing them while they're having this conversation that, like, basically could re re could reveal their relationship to the entire galaxy. Um, yeah. I mean, of course they didn't because, you know, we know how Revenge of the Sith goes down and all that kind of stuff. But, like, it did seem, uh, we, we this was actually um, something when we had uh, Jared the Dark Jedi on um a couple months ago where we're like there's so many hints in the clone wars like there's so many times where the where the jedi or the republic or somebody should have seen that anakin and padme were in a relationship that they just somehow didn't it's shocking how yeah many like times. when 
like when Anakin he has the close save, I think, in the uh in like Jedi Council strategy room. I don't know exactly where it is or when it is, but you know, there Mace Windu says something along the lines of, you know, uh Padme and Rush Clovis, they were they were close, <laughs> wink wink. And and Anakin's <laughs> like, Wait, they were? And, and, and I just didn't think and then Senator everyone's Amidala. like, Why do you care? Why are you surprised? And he has to like backtrack and yeah, because like, Yoda's oh, like separatist. why would you know anything like that anyway? Well, yeah, and it's like so, Yoda's and, not a fool. Like, yeah, Yoda, yeah, that's actually the other thing. There are two lines from that scene that like seem to contradict each other. Personal matters for the senator they are. Know them, why would you? And then, like, 20 seconds later, trust you she does, Skywalker. So you know that Padme and Anakin trust each other, but you don't mm-hmm. know why Anakin would uh, would care that he doesn't know about Rush Clovis. I mean, I think Yoda's smarter than I mean, that. Maybe he just assumed that, you know, I mean, I mean, it's Yoda. He's a Jedi. So I think he would probably be thinking along the lines of thinking from within this framework of living his entire 800 year life with like, like trying to banish attachments. Mm-hmm. So I think he would probably just assume possibly without even thinking about it that it's like, oh, just strictly professional. They're not friends. They just have like a professional rapport that works yeah i mean it could be i I could see it either that way where maybe yoda is like oh well you know we had skywalker was her security you know before the war like we you know her and obi-wan and skywalker are two favorite jedi it could be something like that but it could also be yoda that first line of personal matters they are could sort of be yoda being like let me remind you without reminding you and yeah. then he says, but there is trust. So Yoda Yoda does a lot of playing the game, you know, because he's been around so much longer. Like Mace, Obi, and Anakin are all kind of like his sons in yeah. terms of, you know, that. So he's got to tell them a little bit sort of, of what they need to hear or want to hear. And Yoda's been down this road before. Like people forget that, especially now with High Republic. Like we know sort of canonically, like, some, some Jedi have been there. Some Jedi were flirting and and uh, you know hitting on each other a little bit back then. And Obi and Satine, like this ain't, this ain't Yoda's first yeah, like time around not, the block. He doesn't like he's not blindsided by this. Yeah, by any by any means. Also, a uh, quick note here: um, Mace Windu's reluctance talking about relationships is the most like the best <laughs> awkwardness I've ever seen. They were close. Like it's he's been he's yeah. lived his life as his entire life as like a monk, so he doesn't even really know how to talk about it. <laughs> and it's clear, like yeah, I think he's, he's really uncomfortable trying to be kind of circumspect, but I don't know if it's working. Yeah, I think that Windu also is like I don't want to have to deal with Skywalker like being moody or being off his game. Yeah, because you know, he has such a uh, they have such a rocky relationship. Yeah. That again, like, but if you thought that again, that brings up the question of how much did everyone else know? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I know it's an interesting. Get on to. It's an interesting question. Get on to Rush Clovis and his character. Ooh, Rush Clovis. I'm yeah. endlessly fascinated by, and en- not endlessly, endlessly fascinated by his character. It's such a he's such an interesting and weird character. Um, like. Just their first meeting in that diner, when he says to to uh, Padme, 
you uh does that mean you want us to be friends again like there's so much like sexual tension in just that word it's like mm -hmm. oh my god he really never gave up on her yeah man i hate rush like but you're supposed to like it's effective like yeah. they create a guy that is the antithesis of anakin like he's he's snooty he comes from privilege he's got you know he's a broad-shouldered englishman you know space yeah. space englishman hints he's of like sort of like what imperials would be like exactly yeah. and he's just so presumptuous like just like goes to goes to kiss her on the ship the second they sit oh, down yeah, he's like, like leaning wow. in and she's leaning away and he keeps leaning in it's like whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. And of course he's just the such ship a away. jerk in what's a yeah. funny it's a really funny moment i gotta say um you know a lot of roles in the clone wars are and rebels but a lot of the clone wars are double played like you have a lot of people playing a lot of different roles um robin atkin downs is um rush clovis he's also like cham Syndulla and mm, like some other nice. people I uh, i'm a gonna die for example um like a bunch of other people but like i think clovis is his best voiced character um mm -hmm. because it's just like yeah it's like later on Kato Nemoidia he is standing up to Lot Dodd on Kato Nemoidia a Nemoidian on his home planet this guy has yeah. guts I mean it doesn't really work out for him at the end of this episode but like you know even flash forward to season six where we see him again he's like taking charge of the banking clans and all that stuff he's he's taking names yeah, I think Rush Clovis is a pretty interesting character. I, 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 for me at least, I think even though he's not very likable at all and kind of by design, by the end of the episode, I almost feel bad for him with the way Anakin is kind of walking all over him. And, 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 and we basically see Anakin acknowledge that if he doesn't get the, the, the chip back, which the hologram, or which the hologram was on, that he could be killed for that. And Anakin mm. basically says, I don't care. I'm not giving you it back. I'm not giving it to you. Yeah. So I do, I do, I don't know. I, I feel bad for him. He kind of ends up on Anakin's, Anakin's bad side. And, you know, regardless of like his crappy behavior, I don't know. I, I, you do end up feeling a bit bad for him. Actually, it's a little bit of a contrast so to that. I actually kind of a little bit, not exactly disagree with you, but I find it impressive. There are a couple times where I was totally expecting Anakin to lash out at Clovis in the episode. And he didn't. Like, when Clovis says, um, we need to save her because I love her. I thought Anakin was gonna, like, absolutely, like, flip his gears at Clovis when he said that. But no, he's like, he's like, if we want to do this, we gotta get that antidote back. Um, and like yeah. when they're doing the whole thing with the chip and Anakin summoning the chip, I thought he was going to totally mess that up. I thought he was totally, because they were talking in very like, again, like romantic terms, they almost, we'll get to this a little bit later, but they were almost reminding me of Anakin and Padme in Attack of the Clones, with the language that was used. But Anakin totally mm -hmm. keeps a cool head and he's, I'm not saying he's like completely fine this entire episode. He acts like a complete jerk to a rush at the end when he says, um, at least it's good to know you have a heart, Clovis. But I was, there were a couple of circumstances that I thought Anakin was going to absolutely lash out, and he didn't, which was interesting. And I think that that's like some of the, the most, some of the richest stuff across all of Clone Wars, you know, in that regard is here where 
there's the lingering specter of Revenge of the Sith the whole time that the show existed. We knew that it had to end at that point. So you, you know, Dave Filoni and Gilroy and, and the whole team, they do a great job with having these moments where it does sort of have that undertone of, oh, he could snap at any second here, you know, because we know the type of person that this war is turning him into. So I, yeah, I, I sort of see both of your, of your points about, about Clovis feeling bad for him for having to deal with Anakin, but also knowing, you know, we're looking at Clovis and we're like, buddy, you don't even know. <laughs> like people have been, people have been cut down by this man. People have been stabbed by not this man. Not just men. This is not. Not just men. Yeah. But the women. Yeah. Yeah. By, by Anakin, women, and, women, children. <laughs> Look, yeah. I do want to say that by Anakin's standards, he behaved with the utmost composure. And <laughs> that is true. <laughs> if we yeah. compare what Anakin does, even to Clovis in later episodes, I think. Yeah. I think later on, because Clovis does come back and he ends up, there ends up being a similar Padme-Clovis I mean, dynamic Anakin later on. Anakin nearly which... kills Clovis in one of those episodes, doesn't he? He does, yeah. I think he force chokes him maybe or something. I don't know. It, yeah. it, it gets really intense. Yeah, I was a little bit like blending those together in my head, and I thought he was going to behave way more harshly to Clovis than he ended up um, doing it. Yeah, I did the same thing. I don't know which episode that is, but I know what you're referring yeah. to. And then we get to Cato Nemoidia, which is interesting. And I actually just had a thought about Cato Nemoidia, which is I wish Obi-Wan went to Cato Nemoidia with Anakin for only one reason. What? So we could see Anakin <laughs> that, rescue Obi-Wan on Cadenavodia, and then Obi-Wan will later oh, claim it uh, doesn't doesn't count. Man, uh, yeah, um, that seems like a bit of a missed opportunity. That would have been that would have been a lot of fun. Because we never see that, do we? I don't think we ever see that in the Clone Wars. I don't think they ever go back to Cadenavodia. I don't. I don't think they do. I think the next time we see Cadenavodia, and maybe the last time, is then in Revenge of the Sith with Plo Koon. And Order 66. Oh, yeah, that is Kato Nemoidia. Man, I, I do love right. the design of the uh, of the place with the hanging bridge yeah, cities. me too. I do wish we got to see a little bit more of that, but, you know, all in all, I don't have too much to say about it. It is so hilarious in my mind, so delicious, how so petty almost how Padme completely turns that on Anakin and and uses that phrase to spite him out in the beginning, you know. We see Anakin nope. say, dude, he comes first, I got a jet. And then Padme's like, dude, he comes first, I got I to flirt with with my ex. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's it's this whole idea of, the because the films are the films, and there's limited script, you know, real estate, and they have to get things done, you don't get sort of the... You get like the Shakespearean tragedy element of Anakin and Padme, but you don't really get the Shakespearean comedy element, which would be there with these two young people, you know, hiding in plain sight, their romance, all this stuff. They're frustrated. You know, they're frustrated having to hide, having to speak in hushed tones and all this stuff. And they are young, you know, and, and Anakin's only in his early 20s and, and since she's only in her, in her mid-20s. And so they are, you know, they're doing sort of what, young people do and, and and they are you know it, it builds and it adds to the um you know the, the anakin that we see later that just wants to make things the way we want them to be yeah you know? yeah like the yeah. kind of idealism yeah i also love how padme then flips the duty comes first on rush um oh my god for me i don't know it, it it does feel like actually that she kind of reaffirms that um, her loyalty to Anakin in that moment 
um not maybe to clovis but probably but maybe to us really it's i kind of i feel like that's a moment for the audience to see yeah their relationship despite what we might have seen earlier was not really in jeopardy as much as we might have thought because padme's again as we've said before this extremely loyal person this extremely you know um she she has a great amount of loyalty to Anakin and to the Republic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, and of course, they poison um, the Neimoidians poison Padme, and um, they have to make a mad dash to get that antidote. And then there's this great final line to this episode. Um, I don't know if any either of you uh, picked up on this. This is I love this final line, Clovis. We need to talk. And it's just an army, like maybe 10 battle droids right there. Yeah. I was um, looking at like, just like the, um, I, I was looking at that scene. I'm like, interesting final line to that episode. It leaves it very open for when we can come back in season six, um, for when we can come back to that arc, um, yeah. that final line. Yeah. I think another thing I want to bring up while we're still on, Senate spies how Padme ends up apologizing at the end, which I think is pretty bad because, at least from my point of view, I think Anakin was pretty much in the wrong here. Yes. He's kind of acting yeah. out. <laughs> Not only is this kind of bad for their relationship, this feeds into this overarching, frustrating theme that we see again and again the Clone Wars of no matter what happens, Anakin ends up getting proven right. He ends up getting, like, th he ends up just having it reinforced that, like, I'm right. Yeah. Everyone around me doesn't know what they're doing. They're holding me back. And we like we see this like build up more and more and kind of Chancellor Palpatine especially encourages this. And it it's kind an, of in enabling. Yeah, it, it explodes in um in Revenge of the Sith, but yeah, enabling the uh, Anakin's idea that he is just more knowledgeable, more powerful than everyone else and and again that loops back to what we were talking about earlier about how that loops into the idea of everyone doesn't actually like everyone who's close to him doesn't actually care about him. Mm -hmm. Everyone who's close to him is actually maybe afraid of him, afraid of his power and, and that kind of delusion that he, he develops. And it plays into, you know, what we'll see with, you know, the next two episodes and particularly uh, with Luminara that he can't absorb the lessons that are coming from his peers, you know, about letting go because he is so closed off and because he doesn't believe that they have his best interests at heart. So he's immediately undermining things in his head, like his first reaction to her, and we'll get to it obviously in depth later, but his first reaction to her is, aha, see, like you gave up on, on Barris and Ahsoka. And she's like, dude, like I, I'm always ready for, you know, these situations. And he, he sees everything so uh, narrow-mindedly because of, of this, this hubris and this feeling cut off. I will also say about Anakin's, um, like, I... I think the Clone Wars is interesting in this regard with especially Senate Spy and Weapons Factory because Senate Spy is um, like is Anakin again Anakin Padme apologizes to Anakin when really it should be Anakin apologizing of course but then like at the beginning of Weapons Factory uh, Anakin's like just straight up rude to Ahsoka during her briefing in yeah. what I think should totally be called mansplaining in that mm -hmm. moment um and there's nothing done about that like absolutely nothing done it's actually very like a very both sides thing it's like 
um, the first thing Luminaris says to Barris about their relationship going a little bit ahead is like they have a very um, I think they's like like rocky relationship or like they 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 argue a lot or something like that. And I'm like, no, Anakin interrupted Ahsoka again and again. Ahsoka was pointing it out, and then he was getting angry for some reason. Yeah. Let's get to landing at Point Rain. The fortune cookie is believe in yourself, or no one else will. Um, I think this is probably, in my opinion, the weakest of the three. Um, uh, but like you know, I can see it. It's like when the Republic the Republic starts out on Geonosis, and they're not doing well. But mm-hmm. then they start, then they start gathering their forces. Then they like do a little morale boost, and then they're up and running. And they eventually break through the Separatist defenses and are ready to penetrate the weapons factory, as we'll see next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it's just a it's a good middle episode. You know, it's not one that I am like in love with, in love with, but I think that it is important. Um, for laying the groundwork and also you know it's a great episode for for fleshing out a little bit more uh, a side more peripheral jedi with key uh and things like that so it's interesting for me because it does feel like you know um the senate spy is this very deep political but also romantic episode and weapons factory has these big deep themes in here and landing at Point Rain is really just like, okay, so we're going back to Geonosis and we need a big battle there. Let's go, let's go, let's go. How many how many Geonosian starfighters do you have? Let's just throw in more, more, more. Go, go, go. Clone yeah, yeah. starfighters, everything. Clones, droids. Let's just, it's, it's just this big mess of a battle. Yeah, like I said, it wouldn't be the Clone Wars if we didn't follow up this the rom-com episode with just 20 minutes like of non-stop action, like, like someone someone said, "Hey, I saw this this trailer for the ba- the new Battlefront Two video game. Let's take that and make it twenty minutes long." You know, yeah, that is that is pretty much this episode. Yeah, um, I will say, um, you know, this is us, um, when we go to. I have quite a few log- logistical problems that we often try to figure out on the show. Um, one of them is always always ends up being personnel. This is a full-scale Republic raid on Geonosis. They got the usual suspects. They got Anakin, they got Obi-Wan, they got Ahsoka. Um, they have Kiati Mundi, Luminara, and Barris. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, solid crew. They they got some, but like, they're doing, this is where the Clone Wars started. Yeah. Their, yeah, their base Windu's not there. Yoda's sitting on cushions, you know. Um <laughs> He's been through a uh, lot. How it, sh- He's earned how that. it should have ended, uh, attacking the clones. Um, yeah. Sit on cushions, we must. <laughs> I'm really doing all the work, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it just seems like maybe more Jedi? I mean, of course, the Clone War is happening all across the galaxy, but like this seems like... Yeah, which is know, even alluded to with Yularen, like yeah. with the whole thing of like he can't... He'll jeopardize other campaigns if... if uh, you know, the reinforcements are too heavy in terms of what he can supply and things like that. So it does a good job of showing like just how desperate, like every little thing is and just, and like in true star Wars fashion, like this is where it all began. And they showed up to Geonosis and they were, you know, pretty much victorious. I mean, they didn't get Dooku that day, but 
they, you know, they won the first battle of Geonosis. Just because you win once doesn't mean that a world is saved. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't just save this place or win forever. I feel like this episode was pretty dark because, you know, I think like, like Kiari Mundi, for example, he, he says, um, there's no such thing as luck, but then, but then like five minutes later in the episode, he ends up saying when he, once he's on the battlefield with a little luck, we'll be able to meet up with them. And uh, maybe, maybe this is a reach, but I think that it's kind of symbolic about how the Jedi are kind of a, a square peg in a round hole in this, uh, in this role that they're put into as generals because their idea, like their ideas and sayings completely break down on the battlefield. And I think that's kind of, that's kind of a a symbol of that, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, like I know that I've been like uh, echoing higher public a lot, but just because I've so freshly read all of it. um, I think about skier in the, in the Marvel issue, you know, the Marvel comics we're talking to his, his Padawan Keeve Trennis where she says, you know, she says a classic Jedi line to him. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. And he's like, yeah, being a Jedi Knight is just not about parroting wisdom. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of that that happens in the Clone Wars and the Clone Wars era. Uh, it's, and, and that's a huge thing with Mace, obviously, in the movies is we are keepers of the peace, not soldiers. soldiers. Then the next behead movie someone at the end of the movie. Yeah, behead <laughs> someone. But then in the next movie, you know, it's very, very, you know, cleverly placed at the beginning. It's Palpatine telling Anakin he's too dangerous to be left alive before the do it. And then yeah, it's and then Mace saying Mace it. Saying, and yeah. what that does in Anakin's mind, it's already clouded where he's like, oh, you are the same, even though they're not. You know, that, that sort of adds to, to those themes. Um, so I love that you pointed that out, Jacob, of just sort of like how they can just be like, here's a nice thing that we've all always been saying. And it's only just so they can feel good. Yeah, and I think it goes even further, you know, I think symbolizing how the Palpatine by thrusting the Jedi front and center in the war is really causing this this breakdown of the Jedi ideals. And, you know, he he talks about I don't know if it's canon actually, but in the in the book of Sith, this old red handbook that I have. Mm-hmm. It's really great, it's part of that series. I have like, it around Jedi here path. somewhere. He says like he's basically gloating at one point about how like I like totally screwed the Jedi over by putting them in the war. I, I watched them fall apart. I watched them be demoralized. I watched their ideas. I watched their ideals and their morals disintegrate. And I think this is kind of a little example of that. Also the way the Jedi, you know, they're joking about how much, how many kills each group got. I was going to reference that. Which is actually yeah. super brutal. You know, a lot of those kills, at least for Kiari Mundi, were, were, burning Geonosians alive. And that's the last thing you'd expect yeah. a Jedi to do, being like, oh, my squadron got 30 kills, ha-ha. Like, yeah. big They're big acting big. like soldier soldiers. Yeah. You know, not, that, not that the clones are, are bad people necessarily, but that's, a, that's a, a warrior's violence first mentality. You know, that's... That, I mean, that's definitely a Filoni, like, Lord of the Rings thing, first yeah. of all. It's not I mean, the Jedi. That's yeah. not what they are, but it's what they're, like... That's the, that still only counts as one, you know, that, yeah. that whole thing. Uh, and that is so antithetical to what they are. I mean, like you would think that if Qui-Gon could see that he would like throw up, like he'd be disgusted yeah. by he that would. behavior. Obi-Wan even is disgusted. Yeah. I don't see how you could turn such a gruesome battle into a simple game or something like that. He says, yeah. um, 
to your point, um, Alden, earlier about the whole um, parroting wisdom thing, it just reminded me of that very early Rebels episode. Uh, do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> yeah. but that, what does that mean? How am I supposed to do something if I don't try to, to do it? I don't know. Master Yoda sure said it a lot. Yeah. yeah and exactly. we get that. We get that example of, yeah, and of course the no such thing as luck mirroring Obi-Wan from New Hope. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to just think that there's like a little bowl filled with slips of paper at the temple and it's just filled with there's like, the same. Yeah, there's like motivational posters all over the temple <laughs> that just have like a generic image. With Lothcat, you know? Lothcats on them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this just yeah. makes me tangentially this just makes me love Kanan Jarrus even more because he really did have the right idea when he said at the beginning of season two of Rebels he's really he's he's really conflicted he's like I don't want to be a soldier this isn't what I signed up for this isn't what I want to do I don't know how much he knows maybe about like the fall of the Jedi yeah. and and the actual reasons behind that but you know very very interesting nonetheless um, absolutely so so moving on to like the general battles, um, one of the things I love is like I love how the Geonosians use their home turf to their advantage. They really like they kind of use their planet and their resources as its own weapon, sort of kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we see we're gonna see this later on with a lot of the brainworms and the zombies and the all that stuff in the cave yeah. and all that, but. Um, I also love, there's that great line from a clone, good thing those bugs can't aim, and then they get blown up by Geonosian starfighters. I mean, it's yeah. brutal, but it's, like, so ironically funny. Um, and that's such a George and, thing, too, of, like, the organic life forms that on, on, in their territory will always succeed to a large degree, going back to Ewoks. Ewok, yeah, let's say Ewoks, and then, like, even, like, uh, Wookiees in mm -hmm. the Sith. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh... Let's see. Um, yeah, actually, I gotta say, we we've been um, a little bit critical of the animation in the beginning because you know they were still trying to figure out this whole animation thing at Lucasfilm. This is like a whole new engine they were building and all that kind of stuff. Um, I gotta say, the this episode was like one of the bet like one of the best animated episodes yet of the Clone Wars. I think. I agree. Um, you could tell that money went here um especially with senate spy coming beforehand like yes it's the it's a great gag of padme giving rush clovis a hug and then not even gag just a great visual dropping the disc and anakin catches it and pulls it but really it's like she can't put it in her clothes because they can't move clothes like she yeah. has her, her hands behind her back in a low-cut dress she can't just slide it with her lower back or, or wedge it anywhere because they can't move that so they have yeah, to be like, creative of what they do it is the clothes are so that dress made me think like is there just like double-sided tape on the inside of it like it looks like it's the just physics like, are ridiculous <laughs> like it's just, yeah, yeah and like obviously like i was never a fan of of uh of jedi clone armor it makes sense obviously and it's great yeah. for the themes of becoming warriors but yeah i i, I was all about the later look for Anakin. I can't stand oh, yeah, this yeah. Anakin look. I think it is easier on them though, because they can go with the rigid pieces rather than the floppy fabric. Yeah. So much oh, for sure. That's why when season seven rolled around and everything was flowy and he had yeah. his Revenge of the Sith hair, it was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I I'm just so so disappointed that we didn't get to see the the new the redone animation of Grievous for more than like yes. half a mm. it looked I so know. good. 
he looked great. menacing. We need to see like we need to have like holograms and flashbacks to the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch just so we can see more animated Grievous in the yeah. format. Um, I want to see my Dooku cape, man. I want to see Dooku with his cape that moves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I guess yeah, the sand. That's kind of another reason why I think the animation picked up here was it's a pretty easy planet to animate, and they could have all these wide sweeping shots, tons of different locations rendered in great detail. Because they don't have to do the grass, the, the trees, you know, some of these. It's not a very types. varied planet. It's the classic Star Wars one biome planet thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, Something that's always, I kind of love it and I kind of hate it about Star Wars. The one biome planet, an entire planet covered in a desert, an entire planet covered in oceans. <laughs> yeah. That's why, Alderaan, that's why Alderaan had to be blown up because it had multiple biomes. <laughs> They're like, can't have that. <laughs> It's got to go. It's got mountains, that's oceans, why, plains. It's got to go. That's yeah. why um, Lord Corvax corrupted Mustafar and Vader exactly. Mortal because exactly. he wasn't okay with having it, having most, multiple biomes. Like people are like, oh, why didn't JJ specify that that was Mustafar in Rise of Skywalker? Why didn't he put Mustafar on it? Because they told JJ this is Mustafar, and he's like, no, it's not. It has trees. He's, <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, no, Star Wars planets are one biome. Obi-Wan's Starfighter, not Starfighter, Lati Cruiser gets uh, shot down. Mm -hmm. And they send, who I'm now officially referring to as um, the odd couple, Boyle and Waxer, <laughs> to get him. Um, uh, by the way, quick tangent, Alden. I've, uh, I know you're a fan, so I've now made, this is the second movie trivia Schmodown reference I've made in this episode. The usual suspects and the, the odd couple. suspects and odd couple, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that too, because I was watching a... I was watching backstage before before I jumped on with oh, you guys. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just had to mention that. Um, so, um, uh, but Boyle and Waxer, um, <laughs> I'm like, five seconds before Waxer says this to himself, I'm like, why did they get all the fun missions? And yeah. then Waxer goes, why do we get all the fun missions? They rescue um, Obi-Wan and... Um, yeah, and they're all going to regroup, um, and then they get to the barrier, which we got to talk about maybe one of the best Ahsoka lines of all time, I think. Um, I, I told you about the barrier, and you said, don't worry, Sniffs, we won't be anywhere near that wall. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that, but it's hilarious. I, it just it sums is. up their relationship in a lot of ways. And like yeah. flashing back, he says literally verbatim earlier in the episode, "Don't worry, Snips, we won't be anywhere near that hall." Yeah. And watching it, knowing that Ahsoka's gonna say that, it's like, okay, Anakin, okay, sure, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and then we have that cave sequence with um, uh, Kiadi Mundi and his forces, where they again, as Jacob referenced earlier. Burn Geonosians. Um, yep. That is brutal. Yeah. That is absolutely it brutal. is brutal. You know, with just a long list, just one instance in a long list of Kiati Mundi being out of line. All right. <laughs> this guy, you got you've seen the the post, the Reddit post that went viral that like lists yeah, all of his like, all of his Jacob loves that. Yeah, all of that. his crimes. <laughs> all of his like, he is the <laughs> he is the cause of the downfall of the republic, basically. I love that post. Kiati Mundi Every time someone can make a wrong decision, he did. It's, it's unfortunate. I it's feel that way about Windu, but yeah, I, I, I know. I think, Windu gets, uh. I think Mace Windu gets way too much hate. I, I love Mace Windu. 
It's it's the uh, citizen stuff. He did not have a good uh, a good last yeah. moment in Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. He didn't, and like and and like the you know yes was Kiadi Mundi the person to bar Ahsoka from the Order officially? Yes, but was Mace Windu the deliverer of "You are on this council, we do not grant you the rank of master"? Mm. Yes, yes, he was. So, um, yeah, um, so. Yeah, so they get the um, fact that they get uh, they break through the lines, and the next episode, of course, is going to be them taking that factory. Trivia time! So Obi Wan's oh, gunship. Jacob has reads in, the StarWars.com episode guide, so I, I do like mm. reading that. It's very fun. Uh, Obi Wan's gunship has a Nexu on it with the words "Bad Kitty" and Orbesh, which Fantastic. was the ILM name for the Attack of Clones Nexu. So I love oh, the ILM called that one Bad Kitty? That's, yeah, great. Bad Kitty. That's great. That's awesome. I would love, uh, that- you know, some, some, I, like, I, I love all the Star Wars working titles of the, of the films and projects and stuff, like Huckleberry Trixie, and Black Trixie, Black Diamond. So I would love to get some even more specific, like, they should make merch of those. I don't know why they oh, never have. Well, they be- made Blue Harvest merch. Yeah, they, they need to do Space Bear. I was about to mention a bear. I thought there was a bear one. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think, right. Yeah. I think force awakens was Avco. Good stuff. Good, good working, uh, title. Um, I guess let's get on to spoiler. We usually do our, um, kind of, we usually rank these episodes, um, within themselves. This is my favorite of the three weapons factory. Um, we got a, we got a fortune cookie of no gift is more precious then and i cannot believe i'm saying this again trust um uh, come back to trust again of course we have anakin at the beginning just completely interrupting um ahsoka which i really do feel like is just so much mansplaining there it's like come on she's trying to lead a briefing can you let can you just let her yeah i think it's in- again it's kind of going back to I, I guess it's slightly different, but no, yeah, maybe this is different because in this, it's not. It, it, Ahsoka's not really in danger, but Anakin still, that like like feels pressure to kind of do everything himself and kind of take the world on his shoulders a little bit because everyone has let him down. So he he needs to make sure that he can end up delivering a briefing because I guess on some level, even though he he, I think intellectually. He kind of knows that Ahsoka's up for this task. I think he doesn't. He doesn't fully feel that deep down, right? And it's you know, and it go back to the beginning of, of their relationship. Like, why was Ahsoka assigned to Anakin? You know, why did Yoda do this? It was to try to teach him the lessons that he kind of refuses to learn in this episode. You know, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't fully absorb what ahsoka and luminara what what he can what he can absorb from them um being closed off to all of these themes you know is sort of the downfall of his character and it's sad to see because you know you would you would think that you know where does it come from where does that lack of understanding come from does it come from the fact that obi-wan never really wanted him you know at the start um why he's not able to to process these themes of of letting go um, because Ahsoka's, the, you know, the, the tragic circle of their relationship in a lot of ways is that Ahsoka's aptitude, like her ability to do what she does in this episode is because of his mentorship. 
but he can't trust that he's done a good enough job with her because he couldn't save Shmi because he couldn't, you know, it's always what he can't do. Yeah. There is that line from the Clone Wars movie that actually, speaking of the beginning of their relationship, I always think of, uh, I was thinking of in this case, that um, is that uh, Obi-Wan says to Anakin, uh, no, Anakin says about Obi-Wan, uh, he's the one who wanted the Padawan. And it comes back to like, yeah, this was never actually really something Anakin wanted. Mm-hmm. It's an assignment. Uh, he still has, yeah, he still has to adjust to the, this thing that was, again, kind of thrown on him, just like, Again, he was thrown a little bit on Obi-Wan. Um, though, even in that case, Obi-Wan took him. Obi-Wan, you know, um, he still voluntarily gave um, Anakin training, even though the council even didn't want him to. So we get to um, Luminar and Barriss. And I gotta just say this. I think um, s- such an underrated performance, Meredith Salinger as um, Barriss Offie. She is, uh, in every appearance she's in, even though I'm, not a huge fan of Barris just because of who she becomes. Mm. Such a great performance. Like you can see there's that, you know, I feel like Barris was trained how Bar- how a Jedi was supposed to be trained in the time of the fall of the Republic. Mm-hmm. There are some better things about her training than Ahsoka, sure. But you know, we can still see the hubris in the fall of the Jedi in the way she was trained. Like, just the fact, um, jumping a little ahead, when she gets to the cave, she cuts that perfect square. Yeah. Perfect rectangle in yeah. that in the cave. And I'm like, that that one thing that she did speaks volumes about her character. She's so because, precise. Yeah, she's so precise. You know, when Anakin does it, uh, or Obi- even Obi-Wan, sloppy circle. No, bears perfect square, and then she calmly lifts the block out with the force and puts it aside. And it's interesting to think about, like, you know, I I would have loved to be in the periods that we don't see Barris as much in between seasons two and five of The Clone Wars. I would have loved to be in, inside Barris's head a little bit more because I feel like there was a lot going on there. And I feel like that cookie-cutter Jedi that she was supposed to be is kind of, again, in seasons five, what kind of led her astray a little bit. And that's why I really, really wish that the uh, uh, Jedi of the Republic Mace Windu miniseries had done better. Because uh, I can only assume that the reason why that was the only one is because of sales. Uh, so I would, you know, because that would have been the perfect opportunity. Like, of course, we all would love to read five issues about Kit Fisto just having a great time. But, yeah, it would, please. but, it, but like five issues about Barris, you know, underlining everything that would happen with her could be so rich. Yeah. I'm I'm just waiting for Filoni to bring her back and so like I remember when Rebels was coming out we were like oh the second sister that's gonna be Barris it's even Omiriala this is so per oh wait it's not Barris no it's not her yeah and then uh and then like second sister Fall in order is gonna be Barris and then it's gonna it's gonna happen mm-hmm. no it's Trilosidiri which was a great twist just still not Barris still hasn't happened speaking to uh of Barris's cookie cutterness. Luminara had her memorize a maze of 200 junctions. And and Bears did it. I mean, like, of course she did. I'm just like, for me to memorize 200 junctions of a maze yeah. would have to take... For, I mean, is the Force assisting her? 
that's like my only thing is like there's yeah. some I think, memory trick she's using i think that there's like that. it's that it's a little bit of like that that sort of attunement and like you open yourself up to knowledge just like you open yourself up to power but at the same time it's sort of like how great is that thematically of, of the dedication of barris as a student to be so perfect and to be a model you know like th that what what brings her corruption is this idea of like we've lost our way it sort of reminds me of like well i guess it's the other way around when i saw dr strange what they end up doing with mordo at the end of that movie reminded me of barris where what, what separates mordo from stephen strange at the end of that movie is mordo thinking that strange has abused magic and that he's what we've done here is wrong and everything and like that sets him on his path um toward villainy it's it's just sad to see barris be such a successful padawan in that way 100%. one of the things i love about barris is that at least in my life i feel like i know barris offies mm -hmm. like she's i i there are a couple people who i'm like oh yeah i could totally see barris offie in them it's she's such an innately i mean not for me personally but like she you can see her in other people like uh like yes you can see anakin's in other in people and like obi-wan's blah 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 but like barris specifically i like there are, i can there are um so many people there have been people in my life that i've seen like oh yeah that they seem like barris offy mm -hmm. um or like that sounds weird what i meant to say was like when I was watching this episode, I'm like, oh, wait, this person seems like Barisafi. This person seems like thinking back. Um, that, that almost sounded really strange. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so, Anakin and Luminara are distracting the droids above. Um, uh, and, actually, here's a point I was thinking about the other day. Um, I don't know if either of you... I th actually, Jacob, you have because you've... Um, because I think we've played it together... Um, Alden, have you played Disney Infinity by any chance? Very briefly, um, but I enjoyed it. I was sad when they stopped making the figures and stuff. I I have all of them. I um, like right in front of me is my Xbox, which still actually has Disney Infinity, even mm. though it's technically canceled. Um, can you still but, play uh, does it just say this game is canceled or something? Like you no, can't I can still play it. You can just can't get it anymore. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, but anyway. Um, my point being, um, in that game, they're also trying to destroy a droid factory, and I feel like w between that game, which probably isn't canon, and this episode, which definitely is, the Republic should probably just put up a, a large sign on Geonosis that, that say, um, uh, we are currently not accepting permits for droid factories here. Yeah, honestly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it, it, it's interesting to me, what are the implications of the fact that Geonosis is this massively important planet apparently with the, with the you know the geonosians Pogo the lesser and they end up kind of letting it go for whatever reason it falls back into separatist hands even after they even after the first battle of geonosis which was by all accounts kind of a route for the republic and amen and the lingering effects i mean by the time ezra and saw and the gang get there we could see how even men like krennic are still you know abusing the planet and it's just become yeah. like it's really sad to see because you know the the geonosians like they have this they kind of have like a lot of talent for for Excellent. manufacturing and stuff and you know say say what you want about them but i think that's that's pretty cool and it seemed like they were kind of looking for for a way to 
kind of kind of use that and and gain some influence and some power and that was totally to- they they ended up just being totally taken advantage of mm-hmm. twice by the separatists and then by the empire even though it was when you think about it it was all sidious so it was pretty much just one continuous I play both sides, so I can, um, <laughs> yeah, there's that exactly. name, I think it was, um, anyway, um, uh, here's something I want to know, um, I'd love to see this, probably all the Geonosians in this episode, and in the previous episode, get killed, but I want to, to know that, like, one of these Geonosians is Click Clack, I want to know that one of the Geonosians mm. we see here is Click Clack, yeah, that'd be interesting, if that could be retconned and recanonized, that would be crazy, yeah, the Geonosians have this new weapon that they're premier that they're premiering against um, the Republic called the Super Tank, which honestly to me when I saw this episode I'm like, this is dumb. That's dumb. <laughs> I mean, like I don't know what it is for me. I just feel like uh, first of all they call it impenetra- impenetrable. No weapons they have will, will pierce this super tank. Mm. And then Bears just cuts straight into it with her lightsaber. And it's like, okay, we're getting into the super tank. And I'm like, what happened to the impenetrable part? Um, maybe it was arrogance, but I don't, I don't know. I wasn't crazy about these super tanks. They didn't really do anything for me. I mean, maybe um, it was a ray shield. So maybe the, the lightsabers could penetrate it, but maybe the, the, um, the blaster fire blaster fire and the, uh, the mass driver cannons from the ATTEs, those very clearly could not. I mean, that's how I've always stood. I've always, you know, if it's not Beskar, lightsabers is sort of the, the catch all. Like, yeah. everything to me goes back to Phantom Menace. Like, seal the blast doors, and then Qui Gon's yeah. like, yeah, I'll just melt it. Yeah. Like, like even, yeah. <laughs> like, even Cortosis, you know, it can be chipped and it, it, it can be yeah. brittle. So, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Um, Speaking of, uh, this is a complete aside. I just want to throw out there for your listeners Fallen Order 2. I want to be able to do the pluggy thing and and melt doors. All right. Can I'm I, sick can of, I, can sick I, of I, seeing yes, doors. Please. Sick of seeing please. doors and I have to go around. Please, <laughs> please, can we do that? Um, I also, yeah, Fallen Order Two. When it comes, it's gonna it's gonna be great, and we should be able to plug through doors like that. Amen. Um, Amen. We do that. There, we can do that in. Actually, I was just thinking. You know what video game? Actually, you can do that in Disney Infinity. Oh, really? Yep. I was going to say Revenge of the Sith on PS2. I think you could do that. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't have I don't have a PlayStation, so um, I would not know. Uh, let's see. Uh, so um, this is the interesting part of the episode because I feel like any other show that was not like a Star Wars show and did not have, I don't know, didn't have Filoni and the writers at the helm would have totally have barris saved the day mm-hmm. and ahsoka learn a lesson about obedience and like you know doing what's doing like what's right exactly the right way but instead ahsoka at the end of this episode saves barris mm-hmm. because barris although she has a plan she's prepared she does everything perfectly when things don't work out perfectly for her she doesn't know what to do I mean, she's not completely useless, no, but, but like that's where Ahsoka's strength is because she's learned from a master whose strength that also is flexibility and that, the ability yeah. to to improvise and to uh, to allow the situation to guide you as much as you mold the situation. Yeah, which is I think it's. Exactly, a, I was about to say that sounds like a Qui Gon thing, and then I realized, oh yeah, that is a Qui Gon thing. Yeah, yeah I like. Um, oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. 
sorry, and like the thing with the power cell and her connecting it to Anakin. Right. Uh, yeah, it was a little trick I learned, and like we we learned we saw that a little bit with Anakin echoing the whole um the thing he did way way back. I don't know if you remember this, Jacob. Um, in um. Uh, oh no, not way back. Uh, in uh, Holocron, no, in Children of the Force, with the um, the whole uh, thing with the uh, calculating where else Bane went with the ship. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what I'm talking about. it's a it's a mirroring of sort of that. Yeah, I feel like. Um, yeah, it's really interesting how in this episode you can kind of it, it really kind of lays out the maybe the benefits and maybe some of the drawbacks of both these approaches to being a Jedi and to how you instruct your Padawan, you know, we see Anakin have a lot of conflict with Ahsoka and, and a lot of kind of lack of, of trust maybe that should be there. And that ends up that, that ends up negatively affecting Ahsoka and her ability to carry out the mission. But then we also see Varys is, is almost like, like in her quest to be the, the perfect Jedi to be the, um, uh, the detached and no attachments very disciplined she ends up almost giving up on on ahsoka and Varys too quickly right and she doesn't it's just interesting how they both they end up both needing to learn how to have more faith in their apprentices but for different reasons absolutely yeah and that's that's what i love about what you just said there is going way back to the beginning of this episode you know, what do we say about the universality of Star Wars is that Star Wars is always sort of like a meta narrative on a certain level and yeah. for life. And we talked about, and you mentioned Jacob, like everyone attacks us from different angles. Like we see this all the time in Clone Wars. Like that's one of the beautiful things about Clone Wars and the, the vastness of so many characters is that a lot of the times that lesson, that fortune cookie, that whatever uh, permeates and it's the same thing, but because these are different people, they have to learn um the different side of the coin essentially yeah um one of the things that kind of made me a little emotional at the end um anakin says to luminara luminara um i refuse to let my padawan die and then i flash to twilight of the apprentice um <laughs> i won't leave you uh, you will die uh, that's and ridiculous. i'm like and uh, I typed in my notes um, in all caps. I'm not crying. I swear, I'm not crying. You're you're crying. I'm not crying. Uh, it's that like um, to be able to see all those years forward um, in like that. How many years is that? Like 20, 20 years in the future. Um, they're the same. Like biologically, they're the same two people, but so much has changed. Um, and um, but but Ahsoka. Ahsoka still has the same devotion for her master, but her master does not have the same devotion for her anymore because of the path he's gone down. Right. Um, yeah. I'm so... Um, flashing to that. Um, yeah, so... Uh, that's all I have for Weapons Factory. Um, so, uh, I, I think I'm gonna... Should I... Um, we usually like talk about which ones are our favorites, which ones, um, you know, rank, do a little, little mini ranking. Should I go first? Cause I think I have mine. Yeah, um, go for it. Yeah. I think it's, it's in, um, like it's backwards. So weapons factory is my favorite. Then landing at point rain, then Senate spy for these three. 
Jacob Alden, any thoughts? I liked all these episodes. I think my favorite after having this discussion is actually going to be Senate Spy because it was just so different. As much as I absolutely love the action sequences and that kind of feeds feeds part of me that likes the explosions and the lightsabers and all that, I really, I really, really gained a new appreciation for that episode. And then I would say my second favorite would probably be landing at Point Rain, and then my third favorite would have been... Um, I'm, oh God, I'm blanking on weapons factory. Yeah, weapons factory. We were talking about it for so long. And of, and of course, um, we get uh, Jacob and my, this is of course, Jacob, your list is mine reversed. I know, um, of, course, of course it is. Pretty much us in a nutshell. <laughs> I say my opinion on something and Jacob said, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> no. Here's the opposite. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go weapons factory first, then Senate Spy, then Point Rain. Interesting. Yeah, I can I can totally see that. Um, next, um, we got um, some questions that we asked all of our guests. I'm ready. Um, we were talking about this before we were recording. We we used to call it a speed round, but no answers this quickly. So we're going to give up calling this a speed round. Uh, Jacob and I are going to alternate <laughs> questions. We got um, a good 13 questions here. Excited. So do this. Um, Who is your favorite Star Wars character? Uh, I think like probably most people, I will, I will rattle off a few. I've got Han Solo, Sabine Wren, Kylo Wren, um, also Din Djarin, and, uh, I'll say Tebow the Ewok. Ooh. Oh, and also, also, uh, um, Moma, the- Moma Nadon. Oh. Uh, who is oh, just chilling on my desk at all times, I guess. Uh, yeah. I just pulled out the power of the Force figure, people are listening to the podcast. Uh, I love Athorians, so like Moma, uh, Mikkel Sutmani, um, uh, Doc Ondar. Oh, yeah. Um, I just flashed to all of the Athorians we encountered when we were doing Knights of the Old Republic. We yeah. yeah. talked for way longer than they were mandated to. So many. Um, I, I love Athorians. <laughs> What is your favorite trilogy of Star Wars? Ah, oh, you guys. Uh, <laughs> it's such a painful question to try to choose. Now, does it have to be trilogy of movies? What are you suggesting? Because I love the trilogies within the trilogies. I love the trilogies within the framework. Um, mm-hmm. Because if I could have, like, if I could somehow... Yeah, hard trilogy, like hard trilogy. It's the originals, um, with the sequels, the sequels underneath. You know, I love, I have love for all three, uh, but original sequels, prequels. But I love the 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 trilogies that you can make, like the Ahsoka trilogy of, oh, yeah. you know, of Clone Wars, then her book, then Rebels, or alternatively, Clone Wars Rebels. Rebels in chapter it, thirteen, yeah. Mandalorian, um, the Bo-Katan trilogy of Clone Wars, Rebels, Mando, um, the you know Ken Napsok calls it the boot of the Empire. That era, that nineteen years, you know, we could we could see something like Bad Batch, Solo, Rogue One, or I would say, um, I would say, Rogue One. yeah, I, I would go Fallen Order, Solo, Rebels. You know, uh, oh, that's good. So, yeah. so there's so a lot of fun the, ones there. 
There's a, you, like, you have the Matt Mignovets writing in there um, for Fallen Order and Rebels, so yeah, that that lines up pretty nicely. Um, okay, um, so I almost hate asking you this because of your response to the last question. Sure. Um, what is your Star Wars movie ranking? If you don't have a movie ranking like firmly in your mind, top five or just favorite, you know. Allow me. <laughs> allow right. me to uh if i scroll if i scroll through i'm just looking for letterboxed here uh okay return of the jedi number one yo eli eli that's yours too right yeah. yep the last jedi is number two solo is number three mm, interesting interesting the rise of skywalker is number four yep i agree I mean, Empire is five. Really. <laughs> New Hope is six. Force Awakens yeah. is seven. Attack of the Clones is eight, baby. Uh, then Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, Phantom Menace, Clone Wars, theatrical movie. I admire your audacity putting Rise of Skywalker fourth. There are only a few people I feel like. I like to live dangerously. <laughs> on star wars online who have rise of skywalker anywhere close to where i have it and so makes me happy hell yeah man fight the good fight number two on my list yep uh let's jacob oh yeah okay so what is your favorite piece of star wars media that's not a movie that you think people are missing out on and that you think gets overlooked okay well i like that you qualified that question because the the not a, if you stopped at not a movie it's rebels but rebels <laughs> rebels isn't really underappreciated it's i don't not, think it's, um it's gotten an upsurge i think in the past couple of years of love for it i'm i'm so happy for yeah. that it's yeah my, re- it's so good it's like i'm i have a religious love for that <laughs> i think it's my incredible. man yeah it's it's phenomenal. <laughs> i keep doing this to us yeah i will say this i keep I will, inviting like i will tease i will tease that there will be a octo radio rebels spinoff of sorts happening soonish is that the, like is that the sh- second show you've been teasing soon no so there are going to be three shows oh, uh, wow. by the time of summer there will be three shows um with um, different hosts as well popping in so um so yeah so i freaking love rebel so much um now you said that that is overlooked um or underappreciated i'm going to say quite honestly um star wars last shot by daniel jose older mm-hmm. is one of my favorite star wars books if not my favorite it's that and light of the jedi right now are are two of my favorites ever i think that last shot is essential to understand han in force awakens not that you need it but like it's an essential deepening of his character i think that he's immensely rich in it as is lando it pays off so much of L3. It pays off the connection uh, that he has with Kira and the trauma it had on him. It gives you insights into who he is as a father. You get to see Ben Solo as a toddler and sort of how the longing has already started in that relationship. It's so fun. It moves at a clip. It's got some of the best new canon characters like Peekpod, the Ewok Slicer. Ewok Slicer. Need I say more? Yeah. So I'm going with Last Shot. <laughs> interesting choice um 
Okay, so everyone in Star Wars, I feel like, everyone in the Star Wars fandom has their favorite background character. You know, the character that appears in a couple of shots right. or is only ever seen, like, in flashbacks. Right. Um, alive in flashbacks is a pile of bones somewhere. I'm not talking about anybody. Yeah. But um, <laughs> who is your favorite uh, Star Wars background character? Well, I kind of already mentioned uh, Tebow the Ewok. So he's up there for me. You know, Ewok warrior. He also canonically wrote a letter to the other Ewok tribes that galvanized them to join Luke Han and Leia. Uh, he basically helped win the war. You know, he, he was the Alexander Hamilton of, of Ewoks, as I call him, for being able to write so passionately. Um, and I also already he mentioned... He wrote his way out. He wrote his way out. He wrote all their way out. I also um, I mentioned Momon Nadon already. But I will say uh, background characters uh, that I love in other sections of Star Wars... Uh, there is, there's a little buddy in Solo, and I had his name. Maybe was it you, Eli, that gave me his name, or was it someone else on Twitter? I was trying to figure out his name. He's like that little white chinchilla uh, that hangs out. He's, his name starts with a Y, a W. His name starts with a W, and he was he was played by Warwick Davis, and that's how I, we figured out what his name was. I'll figure it out at some point when this episode comes out. I'll, I'll have found it and I'll, I'll tweet it out. I feel like this is what I was referencing, uh, but he's one of my favorites. And then I will also say um, there's a lot of, of, of great small Jedi. Um, I'm a big fan of Temple Guards overall. I mean, they're kind of background for a lot of it. So I feel like there's so much to, to unpack about the Temple Guards and just I would just want to get to know them more in some some Star Wars project. Yeah, a story about them like sort of as a unified order would be really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so what is... What do you think is the coolest Star Wars species? The Thorians, like I already said. I mean, Thorians and Ewoks are my two top favorite species. If I can't have either of those, uh, I'm a big fan of Keldor, and I really like uh, Miri Allens as well with their inherent connection to the Force. I'm so glad that I finally met a fellow Ethorian fan. <laughs> <laughs> They're so great. They're phenomenal. Me with the rise of Skywalker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, So, everyone in Star Wars has their preferred viewing order. What's your preferred viewing order? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to keep it simple and say chronological. I mean, like, I like some of the fancy ones. Like, you know, there are some some arguments to be made. Uh, But I... You know, my most recent viewing was chronological. It just it's it's such a rich experience that way. I mean, by the time you get to Rise of Skywalker, after doing a nice run of of all of it, you sort of or or most of it because you're not you made me not doing shows. Sometimes I sneak Mando in there now um, when I do it. Uh, but it's a I think that Rise of Skywalker is such a strong sequel to Phantom Menace. I think those two as the bookends are so true. linked. Uh, so yeah, so I like to do it that way chronologically. Very nice. So, what Star Wars planet would you want to vacation on? And let's extend this question a little bit. Answer it, and then answer it without using the planets of Naboo and Alderaan. (laughs) Oh yeah, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick Naboo or Alderaan. I would totally pick. uh, I would probably pick Coruscant or or Hosnian Prime before you know, uh, or or uh, Chandrilla. 
I want I want a big city experience. I want to go to the Outlander Club. I want to be out there at Dex's Diner having having a different menu item every day. I'm not. People are always like they want the picturesque outside. I'm not an outdoorsy guy. Um, so give me that. You know, I'll go to the one the one mountain peak that's left on Coruscant that they described in Light of the Jedi. Um, <laughs> but I will go to uh, any of those city planets. If I had to pick an outdoorsy planet, one one of them. I would go to Savarine because I want to try the Savarine brandy. Ooh, the sea grape brandy. Good, Very nice. Good stuff. Um, uh, so speaking of viewing orders, actually, uh, you're talking about all these fancy viewing orders and all that stuff. Is there a weird viewing order? Not chronological, not release, and let's and also not machete. Other than those three, is there one that you've seen that you're like, wow, this is so cool? Um, not one that someone else has come up with that I've seen. Like, I don't really know of... of of too many that like are named like the machete one. But I will say that I did a backwards watch uh, last year and I, j- I watched nine back to one. And I got to say it was weirdly profound in some ways. It's, it's definitely not anything that I would do all the time or that I would show anybody, but it was interesting to sort of see, um, the themes presented that way because you sort of especially for like palpatine i think that palpatine he's one of the biggest characters that benefits from watching all nine together um in a short amount of time because you sort of you don't see it as he was gone and they brought him back you see it all as one thing like that 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 endor was sort of a setback and then he has to i've always compared palpatine to voldemort like he's he's gone for a long time but he is still the villain of that world I like the whole what we ha- see with Palpatine and Red Skywalker. Where he's like that. Sim- it's he's almost a symbolic Palpatine, not even really Palpatine anymore. He's just the evil. He's just the evil that you need to play whack a mole with. Yeah, um, which I love. Uh, Jacob. Yeah. Okay. So, what would your job be in the Star Wars universe if you could live in the Star Wars universe? What would you want your job to be? I would love to i mean i don't I, I everyone wants to be a jedi i would not be a good one nor would i ever get in or would i be able to deal with the training i don't think but you know my 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 interests now in real life are sort of like you know filmmaking and and, and radio and all that stuff so i think i'd want to be some sort of broadcaster or or like hollow vid like a hollow vid like documentarian i think could be really cool yeah i hadn't, I hadn't thought of that before that sounds very cool Okay, um, give me a sec. Okay, here we go. Um, what? Um, there are many moments in the Star Wars universe. I know uh, you have an appreciation for them. I do as well. Uh, That's why I came up with this question um, that caused you to reflect back on George Lucas's um, quote from the behind the scenes of episode one. You know, it's like poetry. You know, they rhyme. Every stance sort of rhymes with the last. Hopefully it'll work. Um, what is your favorite it's like poetry, it rhymes example in any Star Wars doesn't have to be just the movies. Oh wow. Um I really like in a lot of ways the way that the the most effective, you know, Star Wars Star Wars, right? Like it's supposed to be it's it's blockbuster storytelling. At its heart is so sensitive, but it's also so meticulous and and, and steadfast. And I think that the the fusion and sort of connection between the the original Obi-Wan versus Vader duel in New Hope 
which is, you know, oh, it's slow, like it was the 70s. Like, yeah, there's all of that. But the way that that connects with Twin Suns, the way that that connects with Twilight of the Apprentice, which is a little bit more fast-paced, but then also Ahsoka, um, Ahsoka in, in Chapter 13, fighting Morgan Elsbeth, how that's such a Lady Snowblood sort of Tarantino-by-the-water type uh, meticulous battle. I think that seeing the way, you know, and this is not just like, you asked sort of like for a poetry a rhymes connection and one thing across all of these things, the pace of combat, I think works in sort of like a ripple effect where we've the way every time that it is a certain way for that era, it needs to be that way. You know, every, every visual piece of that storytelling and how the warriors act from Qui-Gon all the way down to Ray matters. But I think that, you know, so that's that's sort of a broad answer. But like specifically, um, I love and and again I go I credit uh, Ken with this, and then I've talked about it. I love the idea uh, and and Joseph Scrimshaw on Force Center, the idea of the the twin lightsabers being the downfall of Palpatine, and how she needs both, and how she's blocking. And I think that. Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker work together better than they contradict. And what they do is underline the, you know, the Empire Strikes Back themes. You know, that to me is poetry of Luke and Luke and Last Jedi pays off Dagobah of adventure, excitement, a Jedi doesn't seek these things. Wars not make one great. And he's able to do it on a grand level of mastery because he has immense power and experience of the force projection. Ray, you know, is still an apprentice. She's not quite at that level. You know, you, you, apprentice, you could argue by the third act of Skywalker, she's a knight. I think when she leaves Octo and she is, is, is you know, she shows up on Exegol, I think that Ray is a knight in that moment. And if she's not in that moment, she is by the Rise moment. That's that's a knighting, I think, in the same way that Kanan Jarrus Rise um, in his sort of vision in Rebels, his knighting. It's not official, but it is. Um, I think that the force projection on crate and Ray blocking Palpatine's lightning with both Skywalker blades are the, are effectively the same because neither of them is an attack, but both of them win. All the rise of Skywalker, all the last shy appreciation. Just like love that stuff. I will, <laughs> I will live every day for that stuff. Hell yeah. Um, and okay, Jacob, go ahead. What's your okay. So question? if you could take, it's a bit of a cliche question, but if you could take one, object from star wars or one force power from star wars into the real world what would it be and why um that's such an interesting question take an object or a force power i mean like yeah there's like a the simple like comedic answers of like you would want like the, the telekinesis that comes with the force um to to lift and move things Objects is difficult, and I'm not really sure what I would want, but I feel like I would want the psychometry that is shown by Quinlan and Cal Kestis and even Ray with the Skywalker Blade. Like, I would love to be able to, like, if I was visiting Italy, like, I've been to Italy, I would love to go back there with forced psychometry and, like, put my hand on, like, a statue or something and sort of be able to see some of that history. Or put put my hand on a guitar and hear all the songs that have played it, you know, that type of stuff would be cool. Or all the songs that have been played on it. 
here's hoping that we get more of that in Fallen Order 2 because that was such a great aspect of Fallen Order 1. Yeah, it was great. The scene. I just replayed Fallen Order very, very recently. And uh, yeah, I always try and do that if I can. Final question. Um, I'm going to pull up a character, a picture of a character. Sure. You're going to tell me how to pronounce her name. Okay. How Or how you would pronounce her name. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, okay, can you see this? I do. I see her. I see her. Am I just going to go for it? Go for it. That is Zam Wessel. Okay. <laughs> okay. We got we got the answer. That seems so who seems to be pretty common. Who did I side with here? Um, both of us actually. Okay. What do other people uh, say? So, uh, in the video game Star Wars Bounty Hunter, which we covered, this was like July of last year. Yeah. Leanna Walsman, who is the actor actress who played um, Zam in Attack of the Clones and reprised her role for Bounty Hunters, yeah. introduced herself as "Hi, I'm Zam Wazell." Um, what? And <laughs> I'm <laughs> this is my reaction as well. And then we had, and then we had um, a fellow podcaster Devore from A Large View of the Force on, and he's like, "Yeah, I've always heard it as Wazell," and we're like, "What? Wrong." Wazel, Weasel, wrong. It's Wessel. <laughs> yeah, literally every other guest we've had on besides Devore has said Wessel, and both of us as well. I'm um, stunned here. I'm stunned. Mm-hmm. But you know what? But I also grew up saying that the Pokemon uh, was called Arcanine, and then I found out it was Arcanine, and that ruined my life. So <laughs> no. Um, but the funny part is on. So there, so you know, of course, we got Wikipedia, the two ca- tabs, the legends, and the canon tab. Mm-hmm. Canon tab, no pronunciation provided. Mm. Legends tab, both are accepted. Wessel and Wizell are both accepted on the Legends Wikipedia tab, Wikipedia tab, well, which is endlessly fascinating to me. Rest in peace, Legends. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway. Um, so I th- yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, before we leave, Alden, where can we find you? Where can we find the stuff you do? Yeah, you can find me personally uh, at ad underscore Strider on Twitter, on Instagram at a period d period Strider. Uh, do a couple podcasts now, and you can find me doing, of course, Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast where I interview guests. Uh, that is a h c h t o Radio. People that listen to in a galaxy are going to know how to spell Octo. I don't know why. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Every time. I, I, uh, should, I should hope so. <laughs> and then uh, you can find that on all your podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, all that good stuff. And then also I'm one of the three hosts of the One and Done Film Club, a brand new uh, film podcast where we take all your favorite franchises, we deliberate about them, each represent a movie of our choosing in that series, but only one gets into the club. Whichever movie we pick, we do a commentary on right there on the spot in the episode. Um, I just want so, yeah. to comment. I've listened to the first uh, part of the first episode. Yeah. Haven't finished it yet, but I was very disappointed that nobody um, put Temple of Doom into the mix because I because my favorite Indiana Jones movie. Really? Like, yeah. Really? Oh, see, that's a hot take. <laughs> that is a hot oh, take. A that's why one. I don't share it very often. Spicy, spicy take. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, you can find Star Wars in a Galaxy at In a Galaxy Pod on Twitter, at Star Wars in a Galaxy um, on Instagram. You can find us, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, anywhere you find your podcast, we'll be there. Um, YouTube, Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um, if you like this episode and this podcast, 
leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really does help our visibility. Next episode, Jacob and I are going to be keeping trucking along with Season 2 of Star Wars The Clone Wars. We're going to be reviewing the back half of the Geonosis arc, Legacy of Terror and Brain Invaders. Um, until then, anything else? No. I think that's it. Um, until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.